Hi, um, my name is Stanford. I'm one of the hosts for tonight. Uh, so just to introduce myself, hi all. Um, just in case those of you who doesn't know me, uh, I'm a doctor. I'm a medical doctor specializing in phys um, psychiatrists. I've done a uh, Opsangani before, which is maternity health. I'm a yoga teacher, mainly power vinyasa, do a bit of yin and pregnancy. Uh, I'm also a trainee for um, yoga therapy, who's un which is under Colin, the great Colin. So I'll let him introduce himself and then we go ahead and start tonight. Um, thank you, Stanford. Um, my name's Colin, I'm a yoga therapist. Um, I've spent the last 25 years working with people on a one-to-one -one basis and in small groups specializing in yoga therapy. And I also run trainings, yoga therapy trainings, four-year yoga therapy trainings as well. Um, so thank you so much, Stanford. Okay. Am I making a start then? Uh, fine. <laughs> We're going to talk about chronic fatigue this month. And um, the team actually had a quick chat and both Colin and I were saying, how are you? And actually, we're both feeling quite tired, which is probably unsurprising, what, three weeks into our second lockdown. But also in autumn and winter, I think it's also not, not unreasonable when it's dark since 4pm and cold all the time. Um, so I think I'll start off with what is chronic fatigue, because it's quite big and potentially dangerous topic for us to go into for the space of an hour. Um, I think one of the big things to mention is um, the difference between chronic fatigue and chronic fatigue syndrome. So chronic fatigue syndrome, which we kind of have used in the promotional detail and more related to my job because it's a medical syndrome, uh, is a very rare um, syndrome is about 0.2-0.4 percent in our population so again less than a uh, percent maybe two or four people in a thousand and it's a very complicated difficult to diagnose syndrome however chronic fatigue which literally just mean long-term tiredness I think most of us can probably echo at one point or another that that is the case uh, you know we, we've retired um, and it is really, really common. So just going to say a few of the symptoms that we kind of use to diagnose chronic fatigue. And we're going to, I'm going to mention a few more weird and wonderful later on. Um, but the three big things that we usually uh, need for chronic fatigue syndrome is uh, when you have a greatly lowered ability of um, doing any activities uh, for a prolonged period of time. And usually people say it's about six months, which is a good time because it usually takes about that long at least to diagnose chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, Post-exertional myelosis, which means after any form of exertion, which can be physical, it can be emotional, can be um, mental, you feel tired. Uh, and the third one is any problem with sleep. So already there, I think you kind of can appreciate actually these symptoms are really, really common. And that's why the syndrome itself can be difficult and tricky to diagnose, but at the same time, how it is just hugely applicable to everyone. Um, Colin, how do you diagnose people with chronic fatigue in yoga? Well, I was going to ask a question back to you, actually, before you ask a question to me, because you know that I, I like doing that. Um, I just wanted to, it was interesting when you mentioned chronic fatigue and chronic fatigue syndrome, but the, uh, there's, there seems to be a spectrum of fatigue. Does that make any sense? So in a way, you've got a kind of spectrum that runs sort of from one end to another, another end. And I think as a, as a yoga therapist and someone working in this area, you come across sort of from one end of the spectrum where you've got fatigue 
Um, and there's sort of an underlying fatigue as sort of that is in place. And then you've got sort of like a very, very sort of like an intense sort of fatigue, like a very strong chronic fatigue. So I don't know if we can differentiate or we can begin to sort of look at a, a spectrum in this way. What, what, do you, what do you think? So I think from my point of view, again, feeling tired, having sleep problem, after exerting yourself, you feel tired again and not able to do much, just incredibly common symptoms. And I think the thing that makes it chronic is the time frame. And I guess to a certain extent, the level, if it's repeatedly happens day after day after, so again, a medical field, usually anything lasts more than like six to 12 week period for most medical condition and syndromes that will count as chronic. So, so it is quite common, like say autumn uh, or winter, you have a few weeks of tiredness, but when Christmas comes, suddenly you're full of energy. So that period you have like what, two months? Um, however, if it goes on and like whole Christmas, you're still feeling tired and going into January, you're still feeling tired and still having low energy, still having low mood, still having sleep problems, going all the way to spring, you're still not feeling energized. Then I think that's probably the time when we say, actually, there might be a problem that is not just the normal cycling of your energy level or mood. It's actually going something that you might need to look at either pathologically, something's going on, maybe or some sort of lifestyle habits that you need to change or actually something like a disease that's happening as well. So it, it, it's for, what was it? Sorry. Colin's very popular just in case you didn't know. <laughs> it always happens. Um, so it, it's it's very challenging within yoga. It's, it's also something that it, it's you know it's not a new condition. So it's not new, um, but it's also very challenging. There's a, there's a loss of energy. There's a loss of strength that occurs within the system. And it happens at various different degrees. Um, and in a way, working with chronic fatigue or fatigue, one has to be almost like a detective. It, it means that it, it, it's, we're starting to understand how a system functions and how a system functions physically how it functions energetically, how the mind functions, how the person's belief system is constructed and how the emotions also function within the system. So we start to look at a person as an individual, a complete individual, but with a fatigue. A fatigue being that their energy has been stolen from them, it's been taken from them in the system. Um, we start to understand from a physical perspective how the system itself suddenly starts to, or word suddenly is the wrong word, how it starts to process all the things that come into it. So there becomes a, a natural way that the body processes stuff. It takes something in. As it takes it in, it identifies it, it decides what to do with it, it separates out, decides what to keep and what to get rid of. And this happens right the way through the physical construct of the system. So when I take food into the system, food comes in, it then gets separated, goes into the liquids within the system. From the liquids goes into the blood, from the blood into the muscle, from the muscle into the fat, from the fat into the bone, from the bone into the nerve, bone marrow, and from there into the deep essence of the system, according to yoga and Ayurveda. Now, 
it's the deep essence of the system, the seventh level of the system, what's called OJAS, where this provides the immunity, the strength and the energy of the system. When this is taken away, then we get a kind of fatiguing occurring. Now, as you said, this can be short term, it can be medium term, or it can be long term within the system. And part of the investigation is to do with what is actually going on. Does this start to answer your question, Sanford? So this is just the sort of, for me, it's kind of like the, the sort of first level, the physical aspect of understanding the sort of processing that happens through the system. I'll, I'll build out this on this a little more in a second, but I just, just is there anything? Um, I, so a little bit of a background story for those of you who doesn't know me that much or haven't been to the last two sessions. I also dabble a little bit into Chinese medicine. I'm not trained, but I kind of grew up with it and I dabble and read about it. I found the parallel between the yoga Ayurvedic view and the Chinese medicine view very interesting because in Chinese medicine, um, you're born with certain amounts of essence as called Jing, which is reside in kidneys and also in the bone marrows. And it says that, you know, qi, which most people have heard of, is like the power or the energy from the universe. You take it from food, you take it from the air. However, actually, we, uh, the Jing is actually what's the more important thing, because that's the thing that's finite. So you have limited amounts of it when you're born. And that can be because from your parents, because of the pregnancy, because of the genetics. Uh, or how you grew up and how you expand them and how um, what disease that you have encountered throughout the years and once you exhausted that store then that you, the chronic fatigue will kind of kick in that's kind of one view in the Chinese medicine so that's really interesting how kind of mirrors the between the two system which is not the first time it has happened um, my question back to you will be in your extensive experience why are people usually tired? At which level are they usually depleted or which combination of level are they usually depleted? So what I tend to see quite a bit of is we, we see two opposite directions with regard to cause and effect. So on the one hand, you've got a physical aspect. So you've got an experience and a feeling that someone has. I feel tired. If I run a list of experiences off, um, At the beginning, I thought I had something very serious because of the severity of my symptoms. Tests ruled everything out. My brain isn't working. I just feel tired. I don't feel depressed. I feel like someone waved a magic wand and made me really lazy. I can't get up to move. It's like, oh my God, I can't move. I'm so frustrated. I'm so frustrated. I need my physical strength to get back into my life and I haven't got it. It's very, very frustrating. I'm sleeping 10 hours and still exhausted and I still have to lie on the bed for a couple of hours rest during the day. It's like I've got a bank of energy and I can't take too much out, otherwise I'm exhausted for days and days afterwards. So for me, these quotes are from people that have and they are experiencing these type of things. And for me, it, the, the experience is physical. It, it's a very physical thing. But, and this is the, the symptoms. They're very physical. But the cause can sometimes be physical, which I'm sure will come into from one perspective. And I'll give a case study in a minute about a sort of almost a physical cause that then reaches into a sort of a deeper mental and emotional matrix. 
And then we've got another direction. Uh, the other direction I see is much more complicated. It's, it's much more sophisticated in the way that it's working. And it's, it's, it's very difficult to unpick. And it's much deeper within the system. It's more, more sort of emotional, mental matrix that moves outwards into the physical area. So one of the first points of decision that we're making when we're working with people that say, I'm fatigued or I'm tired, is we start to understand just a little bit more about the, the sort of the direction these things are heading in. So we use very simple tests, um, pulse reading tests, Nali Pariksha, um, to decide, to understand whether there's strength actually within the body and the person feels fatigued within the mind, or actually, if actually there is a, a, a weakness inherent within the body. So I don't know how that fits with any of your experience, Stanford. Um, we, well, as a medical profession, we use a little bit more than the poles, but obviously poles would be one of the very telling signs. Uh, before I go into that, I, sorry, I apologize because I did a bad job introducing. I should have said, since this is a topic that most people probably can relate, if there's any questions, can you just put it into the chat box as we go along? I encourage you to do that because sometimes your question might actually be linked to a topic that we're going to go into. So we'll can make sure that we don't miss that opportunity. I saw that Nicola already got something, so please put them into the chat. Uh, I will monitor them and then I'll shout them out as we go along as well. Um, so from my point of view, uh, to investigate chronic fatigue, which means long-term tiredness, there might be a medical cause, there might not be, or there might be a rare reason like chronic fatigue syndrome, the test that we have to then do um, involves a lot of things. So, basic um, like examination to make sure there's nothing out of the ordinary, including a good history. So like nothing weird and wonderful, including family history, uh, potential cancer history, things like that we need to make sure and rule out. Um, the common blood test that we have to do, so um, full blood counts to make sure that you're not anemic, uh, thyroid function test, because if your thyroid function is low, then obviously you can go into fatigue um, spectrum because thyroid, thyroxine, just in case people doesn't know, uh, thyroid hormone is one that kind of increase our metabolism, help us to get energized and get warm, literally, and uh, coordinating our body temperature. So if you're low in that, you can more easily go into like a lazier mode. Uh, blood sugar, because diabetes is a common reason to um, be tired as well. Um, any autoimmune disease, any infection actually can also cause um, tiredness as well, because if your body's constantly overworking, like the immune system, uh, the inflammatory system, it actually takes, a, takes up a lot of energy in the background to help you to maintain that overall balance. So again, that will cause tiredness as well. Uh, anything that like in your alcohol, substance abuse um, history that might trigger something. Once again, these are the things that sometimes can be self-induced too. We have to make sure that those are not the case. And finally, because I'm a psychiatrist and always is uh, important, it's about the mood as well. Because if we are low in mood, obviously, actually low in energy is the, the, one of the main, one of the core symptoms to dying is depression with, and obviously it doesn't only limit to uh, the depression. It can also happen in uh, bipolar disease, personality disorder, schizophrenia, there's a whole array of um, mental health issues. Um, so kind of have to do a lot of different tests and history and examination before we can like rub all the known or plausible cause for tiredness. And that I think together with what Colin said earlier on, really illustrate how it can be really frustrating, you know, having 
bad um, experience of tide all the time and no one seems to be able to give you an answer. I think your case study actually is beautiful because it just basically explains why it is so distressing and frustrating at the same time. Colin? Oh, hi. Um, you've touched on a number of different things which are amazing. One of the key areas that, as a yoga therapist is that we work completely complementary and sometimes one of the most important things that we have to do, and in fact most of the case studies that I would like to talk about tonight, we have to direct people into getting tests done. We have to be really really clear on this so that what's happening is that Often when people feel very tired, they tend to run around everywhere. They tend to sort of seek and search and they're looking for um, an answer straight away. They're looking for a solution. They're looking for one thing. They, they almost, they, they want something that they want to kind of go, oh, this is it and, that, and, and hold on to it very, that, that's, I've got it, that's what's happening. And actually it, it's quite difficult to uncover. Um, sometimes they can have symptoms that um, are neurological so I had a lady recently who had uh, a numbness in her arms and a numbness in her legs and she had this tingling sensation in this way. And she went down the direction of getting lots of tests and checks and blood tests done in this direction. And actually it turned out to be an, an issue with regard to the thyroid. So it was interesting that you actually mentioned that. So there was an imbalance in the thyroid and it was picked up with, with other tests, but her exhaustion was absolutely unbelievable. And for me, this is a, a, you know, this is a physical influence. This is a change in the physical aspect. This is causing lots of issues. And I think it's very important that as part of working with people, we're really, really clear that they must get checks and tests done. And as a yoga therapist, um, one of the things that where we add a lot of, value when we're working with people is to really understand them as individuals, to understand who they are and to understand how they're interacting with themselves, how they're actually coming to interact with the world, what they're, um, how should I say, what their patterns are with regard and their habits are, what their lifestyle is, um, to really actually understand them as a person, to understand their the way that they view their life, the way that they view themselves. Um, because quite often what, is ha what happens is that everything will be going completely fine for someone and then suddenly they'll have this deep feeling of underlying tiredness. So there's a, a lady that I can sort of, that I'm working with at the moment, she's 50, she's dynamic, she's bubbly, she's got um, several children, she's vegetarian, she travels a lot. Um, nothing is really a problem for her, but then suddenly there's this underlying tiredness that has come out of this. And, you know, in a way she, she's, she wants to continue to live her life in the way that she lived her life. And so there becomes this conflict between the life that she's living, the life that she can lead, and the way that she, you know, actually is and feels about her life. And, part of the process that we're coming to is to start to uncover a lot of the way that someone is interacting with themselves 
and the way that they're interacting with the world. In this, in this case, what's happened is there's been a change in the physical process, what's going on with the person inside, hormonal changes that are happening. And so there becomes a conflict between the person, the hormonal change, the lifestyle that they're leading, and there's a lot of underlying tiredness that's happening. And the question is, what can yoga do about it? What can Western medicine do about it? Um, can I hand over to you to, to maybe to sort of, with regard to hormonal change? Um, yeah, um, so I think one of the things that I was going to reflect on when you said your case was, that is really common in my old clinic, so in my gynecology clinic, um, that is very, very common. Or actually, to, to be fair, even in antenatal, postnatal clinic, we see that very often. It's not specific to females. When your life circumstances or when your age and when your life condition has changed, your level of energy naturally do change as well. And obviously, again, we have to look at medical causes like uh, viral level, diabetes. But at the same time, a lot of the time, I just have to tell my newly mum or uh, ladies who are going through the menopausal change, actually, it's just a natural thing. You are having less sleep, your body's changing, your hormones changing, and it, it is something that you just naturally have to let your body to adjust to. Um, so say, I think menopause is always a great one to talk about just because it's, it's something that happens with a certainty. And also because it's just such drastic change then you know it can, it can be mirrored or it can be seen to a lesser extent to most of other people's so um when you have that amount of hormone change so in menopause all your hormone drops are like estrogen progesterone everything's dropped so these are the things that your body normally used to so they can cause good things they can cause cause bad, bad things like when you have a bad period pain or you know PMS so on and so forth however it's all of a sudden when the hormone level has changed your body's suddenly not able to cope with it and not be able to compensate so quickly and what it has to do is actually your body just need to naturally take the balance slowly and slowly and slowly and unfortunately it is the slow process and our body tend to work slower than our mind and it is, that's why it's partly frustrating. And of course, that is not the only, those are not the only hormones that we're talk, going to be talking about. We also talk about testosterone in both male and female. We talk about um, stress hormones, the cortisol, which actually low level of that can link to chronic fatigue or chronic fatigue syndrome as well. Um, again, we mentioned, well, I mentioned uh, thyroxine already, so thyroid hormones already. Uh, growth hormone can be the case in teenagers, in children. So these are a few of the things that when our homeostasis, when our internal working is not balanced, uh, it exerts itself as physical tightness or mental tightness at the same time. And I think just to answer Martin's question, how does one differentiate between mental and physical fatigue? I think from my point of view, if someone's tired physically, usually physical tightness uh, can be solved by physical rest. So if you exercise for a long day or a few days, you know, you cycle from London to Paris for three days and then you took a week off to rest and you feel better afterward, that usually is a sign that it's just a physical fatigue. Mental fatigue then henceforth will need more mental form of resting. And I think that tends to be harder because obviously when you fatigue, naturally you're stressed. Stress meaning that you're not resting properly. So even when you're sleeping, even when you think you're taking time off, you still have that low level of stress and you know anxiety going on, which that means that you're not really um, getting rid of your fatigue. So usually from my point of view, um, mental fatigue is harder 
to be cured of, and which is why it's actually usually very big components of chronic fatigue, because it's not just physical tiredness, it's also mental tiredness. However, at some point, the two is going to link up, just like what I said earlier on about hormonal balance. So if it's hormones, which is something slightly deeper than just the muscles or the ligaments or the joints, is within kind of like the whole working of your system, that still counts as a physical tiredness. However, because your body needs a little bit more time to adjust to that, slowly, as we said already, the frustration and the anxiety, the stress is going to kick in. So that most of the time it combines to, and at that point, that's going to be very difficult to differentiate between mental and physical. So there is definitely that blur in, uh, in between the lines. Colleen, how are you going to answer that question? Differentiating between mental and physical fatigue. With regard to um, cause and effect, uh, it, something that is physical fatigue. So with this hormone imbalance, what we get is we do get physical fatigue, but we get the we also get a lot of emotional turmoil. We get a lot of mental turmoil as well with regard to it. But yet the fatigue itself is physical. The emotional and mental fatigue is much deeper into the system. And it's why um, I highlighted, first of all, the importance of a yoga therapist being a detective and to understand the flow of processes through each of the different domains that we have within our system. So it, it's, you know, to, to understand something physically flowing through or a communication that's happening physically. But to understand how we work mentally or emotionally, to understand how we block, how we're very clever in the way that we decide to ignore, extend, project, suppress, deny, misunderstand, just hold things in different ways, in a much deeper way within the system. And the way that over time, and it takes a long, long time for the system to let's say, be influenced, it feels like overnight that someone can become very tired, like it just happens overnight. So one gentleman that I worked with, he believed he had a virus and he thought he had this virus and he had sweaty hands, sweaty feet. He went to get loads and loads of checks and tests done. He went absolutely everywhere and everything came back just completely clear again and again and again and again. He went absolutely everywhere. And for me, this is an example of a, a, a much deeper, much, much, much deeper cause within the system of this. Um, and so we, we sort of tend to spend a bit of time, quite a bit of time, working with someone before to look for causes and effects running through the system to understand how the system itself is processing things and it's all about the processing and communication or not within the system that tends to stop the system working in the way that it should work and i'm talking about the system as a whole a complete whole which means there's an integration between the body between the mind between the deeper aspect the belief system within us and also the way that we move everything through from the way that we take things in through our senses right the way through into the deeper aspect of our system and communicate them back out again 
and also with regard to the way we do this with physical food as well. It's exactly the same, similar processes, but on different levels. And it's often, according to yoga, the more subtle level that influences the gross level. It's this underlying level that tends to have more of an influence, a much more powerful influence on the physical. So last week I was speaking to a young lady who was incredibly exhausted and she's 18 and you kind of think, hey, she's 18, you know, she's entitled to be exhausted. But actually she's normally a person that bounds out of bed, but she just didn't want to get out of bed. She stayed, wanted to stay in bed. And, you know, we, we had this situation where her father, you know, wanted to tell you, know, what's wrong with you? Come on, you need, you need, come on, pull yourself together. What's going on? What's happening? Her mother was in a, okay, didn't know what she would do. Friends didn't know what to do as well. It turned out that she was having lots of issues, issues with her relatives, issues with her mother, because she felt her mother was supporting her relatives, issue that her father couldn't actually understand her. And so she was just shut herself down completely and utterly, absolutely exhausted. She just couldn't communicate. So for me, it's important for us as a yoga therapist to, to understand, you know, is there something more, what's happening within the system? How's the person taking things in? How are they holding on to certain things? How are they identifying with things? How are they expressing back out again? Because this person was trying to make everyone happy. He was trying to make the mother happy, trying to make her father happy, trying to make everyone happy, but actually in herself, wasn't happy, wasn't prioritizing herself as part of this. And so part of the process that we were doing within a yoga practice was getting her to be able to communicate coherently how she felt versus actually what she thought she should answer versus actually answering realistically. Does that make any sense, Sanford? Yeah, beautiful. I think, I think you're, Polly, you're already answering Nicola's question, which is, is there a strong connection between the ideas of attachment and being tired all the time of chronic fatigue? And I think as a yoga therapist, you work to a lot deeper level in a person than I will be able to do as a doctor. I think from our point of view, we will definitely explore those issues and support where they can. However, a lot of the working for between that person and his or her relationship tend we had tend to leave themselves to do it or uh, if there's a therapist of another kind like psychotherapist and psychoanalysis uh, therapist they would then be able to explore those relationships so from my point of view i really recognize the importance of those because obviously i think we can all appreciate and i saw many many nothing heads where a draining relationship or a draining thought of a relationship can literally be physical and tiring just even thinking about it um i think i think my um take on attachment and chronic fatigue from the western medicine sense is the attachment of a self-image i think a lot of the patients that i've seen who not limited to tiredness and chronic fatigue for usually any sort of illness and they usually compare with themselves when they are much younger so it's that a lot of the time it's the 
it's the image of themselves that is slightly unrealistic. Um, like like the example of um, someone who's maybe perimenopausal or postmenopausal. So obviously the patient's of a certain age already and then they would come tell me, so actually when I was 30 years old, I would be able to do this, I'll be able to do that, I'll be able to go this way. It's like, it's true and I completely appreciate that. However, that's not who you are anymore and you and your body and your mind have all moved on and you have to kind of move your concept and your acceptance along with that as well. And I think sometimes that mismatch in the identity can be frustrating and tiring as well because obviously we're living in such an age where, yes, absolutely, it's no longer the age that matters. You know, you see movie stars, you see you know, TV stars who are like 60s, 70s, who appear young as ever, maybe natural, maybe Botox and hair dye, I don't know, maybe plastic surgery, who knows? Um, but you know, there's a concept that, you know, you can be young at every age, absolutely, and I do truly believe that. However, at the same time, we also kind of have to move our concept of acceptance at the same time, you know, yes, you can appear very young, however, you have also used your body for extra amounts of years, and there will be certain amounts of wear and tear, both physically and mentally, and it's what you're saying that you're tired, or you're not capable, your inability to do something realistic, or is there something that you compare to that has been, you know, some decades ago now, and actually you have to move your concept over, because that mismatch can be a start point of something deeper as well when when you refuse to believe something that's off reality in psychiatry that can often be kind of like one of the main symptoms or one of the start of uh, some of the syndrome and symptoms as well um leading on your fence it's okay i think i might diverge into a topic that i'm very passionate about this which is the one of the main reasons that I see tiredness in my field or my previous specialty is actually sleep. I think I asked Colin the question, which level usually the patient presents or the clients that usually present him. From my point of view, usually sleep. Usually people either doesn't get enough sleep or think that they haven't got enough sleep or has actually got a bad sleeping pattern. Um, I'll use myself as an example. Obviously, I'm a shift worker. My shift now is slightly more friendly, so at least I get better sleep. But before I used to work like every seven weeks or every four weeks, I have a night shift or so. And obviously that changes the Caucasian uh, rhythm very much. And that can be a big knock on effect of your whole general health as well as your uh, energy level as well. And I think that is one of the most common thing uh, that I see in the medical world, why people present with many illness, especially tiredness. And I think just one thing that I'm going to say about that is actually a concept of sleep is may not be realistic as well. I think we very much say we only need eight hours of sleep. Um, I delve into Chinese medicine a little bit, which I think is slightly more holistic and more humane in a way, because actually your sleep should change um, with the seasons. In the summer, in the spring, when it's light very early on, it's okay if you wake up early and don't go to bed until later, because you know there's a lot of light. We are ha uh, beings of that, you know, work and awake and get energized with light. However, in autumn like this, we tend to go to bed, um, uh, um, wake up still early-ish, however, go to bed early at the same time because actually it's cold, it's dark outside, you want to rest, okay. In winter, it's hibernation time. I know we don't hibernate, but we kind of feel like it. So you want to go to bed early, you want to wake up early. So sometimes it's just to the understanding of how your body actually functioning instead of what our society or your work or your uh, social responsibility or whatever other responsibility demands of you 
that mismatch can also again changes your energy level as well. Colin, what are your thoughts on sleep? As in length of sleep, times of sleep? Yeah, or anything else you want to talk about in sleep? Okay. Um, let's see if I can tie a few things together. Um, so firstly, within sleep, in yoga, we look at the length of sleep associated with constitution. So some constitutions, small amount of sleep, some medium amount of sleep, some up to eight hours sleep. We tend not to look at more than eight hours sleep. So when people are sleeping for 10 hours, we tend to ask them to reduce their sleep. I know it sounds kind of a bit sort of almost cruel in a way, especially for people who like their beds. Um, but I know many, many people who sort of say, well, you know, I go to bed at, at you know, 10 o'clock at night and I, I, I wake up at eight o'clock in the morning and, and I just kind of, we just try and squish it a little to get them to get up just a touch earlier to change the energy within the system. Um, I'd like to, yoga has its own view on sleep and has a, quite a lot of ideas around sleep and the sleep concept. But I'd like to jump just to one side before going into sleep just a little more, just to look at this processing of what we tend to look at mentally and emotionally with people. We, we tend to look at how people make decisions, how they identify with things, because I, I want to sort of jump back to what Nicola was asking with regard to attachment, because it's actually quite important um, and it will link to sleep a little later if I get around to that. Um, Often the way that we identify with things, sometimes there's an increase or a decrease in identification with a certain thing that comes into us. So let's say I'm exhausted, I'm really tired, and I'm really looking for some answers for something. And I, I, send, I tend to just identify very strongly with one thing and not with something else. And then there is a link with memory and imagination within this overall process. So we in yoga start to look at how people identify, make decisions, how they use their memory and use their imagination to make decisions about what they hold on to, what they sort of avoid. We look at how they construct their belief system because this for me links very much to the attachment question that Nicola was asking. How they come to identify it. And Stanford, you said something very beautiful. You, you're looking and you said, you talked about the question about the conflict about who people are. And within yoga, we have this conflict present all the time. The conflict present being who we think we are versus with who we want to be versus who we actually are at that point in time versus who we can possibly be based on what we have. I don't know if that makes any sense. So there tends to be this kind of conflict that's going on. Um, and for me, how people emotionally process, and I use this word a lot, emotionally process, is that how we let and allow ourselves to feel, to really feel. And 
rather than be frightened of feelings or have feelings that we compare to be the same as other feelings. So let's say someone that has very high anxiety is they feel that a feeling is comparable to another feeling. So there is a, a cycle that's going on within the system. How this links to fatigue becomes important because within this investigation that we're making, which is over a period of time, like Stanford mentioned so eloquently, this is a slow process. I mean, it really is a slow process. It's a slow process of discovery about what works and what doesn't work. It, there are breaks, there are changes, there are restrictions that are evident at a deeper internal level within the system. And part of yoga practice, which is taken when there's fatigue very, very, very gently, along with what the body can actually do. So it's a very gentle physical practice to almost begin to make friends with the body because there's often a feeling that the body has let them down and someone has been let down by their body and almost there is a kind of like a, a force and a punishment. I remember so well sitting and it sounds, please, this doesn't mean to be anything other than it is, but sometimes I sit down with people that are very fatigued and I say, look, I tell a story to you about someone and they're recovering from cancer. And I say, you know, you've, when you've had a sort of cancer treatment and you have a bit of an exhausted crash, suddenly your energy comes back up again and you rush around. And the person rushes around, and they're like, ah, I'm back again, I've got everything back again. And they do this rushing around thing and then they absolutely crash. And they get very upset because the body has let them down, it's let them down. And so then it comes back up again and then they rush off and go shopping again and then they crash again. And so the process of work within yoga and yoga therapy is, is very gentle. It's very, very, very gentle. It's in line with the nature of the body. It's beginning to create a new relationship in a different way. To begin to cultivate patience in a different way. To begin to start to understand how and create awareness about how one does something because most of the time we're not aware about the cause and effect of the things that we do within us we just keep going as stanford said you know we just actually the mind is so much stronger it just keeps going keeps going keeps going it's almost you drag the body behind us and so quite often lots of gentle practice lots of very very gentle practice where what we're looking to do is we're looking to lay down a new way of working, a deeper way of working, more significant and sophisticated way of working, which will create a knock-on into the system. So very gentle movement, very gentle breathing, lots of good visualization, meditation techniques, mantra, just all of these different tools just very very slowly and slowly and slowly so the person begins to get to understand a little bit more about who they are and how they are but without the focus being on the symptoms without the focus being on the condition the focus actually being on them the focus being on them and their relationship with themselves and so 
for me this is part of the process that yoga comes to work with to get success in working with this condition did i answer that question stanford or did i avoid the whole thing i think i distracted off sleep no it's fine i'll I'll come back in one minute i will come back to it i I think you answered that question really lovely because um nicola then followed up with um the attachment being i have this condition and the attachment uh, is that kind of basically in my term would be it's labeling things that can be good for you and can be bad for you but also she wondered if there's a strong link between suppression and lack of expression as you have spoken so i think what you have spoken have answered that but obviously if you want to add on anything you most certainly can i'll just say quickly um, first of all to in response to nicola's question i think we often seen because it's such a long and tedious and frustrating process any diagnosis that's been given usually at the beginning is very reassuring uh, that i can see usually at the beginning that's like an almost like a sign of relief and people get like bounce back a little bit however from then on how do you use that I correlabeling, which probably have some negative association with it, but for the lack of better terms, how people use that label from then on, it's kind of how you progress with yourself in a little bit. It's some people stick to it and just say, I have chronic fatigue syndrome, I can't do that. I have this, I can't do that. I have this, I can't do that. Or you can just like, I have chronic fatigue, however, I can do what I can, or I need to manage myself, or this is how I usually behave. This is how I approach this. So the, the attachment from my point of view, from the Western point of view, is how you, your relationship with the attachment, I think, is how, how you express that attachment. Because I think most of us have that sense of relief when you know that what you're experiencing and uh, presenting is actually belong to a group. You're not just isolated, you're not just on your own. However, then, you know, how you progress is something else. And I think... In relation to that, what Colin said is beautiful. I usually love it when this happens. Because again, me and Colin doesn't actually talk about these topics beforehand. We kind of just do our own notes and we just present on each side. Um, so from Western point of view, uh, the only proven treatment for chronic fatigue syndrome, which obviously then extend to chronic fatigue as well, unless it's a medical uh, condition, is something called graded exercise therapy. So you kind of slowly encourage as Colin said so beautifully, a gentle practice, a gentle exercise or activity regime, and then kind of see your energy level. See how it goes, see how you feel afterwards, see how you feel the day afterward, and then slowly you either decrease or increase the intensity, let your body slowly cope with the level of intensity that you're having, and then hopefully slowly increase that. And hopefully from then on, you can slowly um, kind of express or experience the um, experience of increase intensity in your life or your energy level um, from this exercise. So I think Colin said it much more, much better than I did. So I'm going to shut up about it. But that was a Western point of view, a great exercise therapy is what it's called. So sometimes CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy might help. However, there's no drugs, there's no any other investigation or anything that will actually help physically. It's only by the person themselves working through the problem. Uh, Colin, do you have anything to say to what I say, also to answer to Nicola's question? I, I do. Um, something that you said actually reminded me of something. Um, often um, to confirm that someone's experience is valid, 
is a very important thing. Um, the situation, someone's experience situation is a reality and their experience is valid because quite often there is this madness that happens with regard to diagnosis. There's almost a madness that happens with regard to the way that the person feels that other people interact with them because they don't understand what's going on with them. And so for me, this, this first step of acknowledging the reality of these symptoms and actually letting the person know it's okay almost takes a lot of pressure off and starts the process with regard to helping in this kind of this graded way. Um, and also not obsessing with the symptoms because quite often what happens is that the symptoms, there seems to be a sort of a vast array of symptoms. And at Stanford, I know that you identified and you gave a really, really wonderful list at the beginning of this of a lot of symptoms. So, you know, you can get headaches, you can get stomach issues, you've got the exhaustion that comes, you can get sort of a twitching of various different parts of the body, the shaking of the limbs, shaking of the eyes, you know, twitching around the eyes. You can get lots of you know, anxiety, you can get um, lots and lots of different symptoms being presented. And it's quite often, it's important for a therapist not to be drawn by the symptoms, but also to encourage the person also not to be drawn by the symptoms. Because often what we tend to do is we tend to get obsessed with looking for answers, obsessed and obsessed and obsessed. And Unfortunately, sometimes there aren't any answers in some cases, and there really aren't. Um, would that add anything more, Stanford? Yeah, absolutely. I think you most certainly do. Um, uh, okay, I'm going to start reading questions because I think I need a moment to collect my thoughts. Uh, Dr. Jane has said, my understanding is that the whole pace is a Approach, a pace approach involved building physical intensity of exercise has been scientifically disproved now. Uh, and she shared a story that her husband is on Sinian uh, Pounds trial that, has, that was subsequently dismissed as rubbish by another branch of medical professionals. I'd be, I would be really interested to understand how yoga therapy specifically can bring gentle, positive help, please. Um, so from my point of view, because I have done some research and I think in the latest guideline from the NICE of so the National uh, Institution for uh, Center of Excellence actually still suggests graded exercise as uh, therapy as a potential therapy. So the benefit is not, so, so when, you, when you say is it that much evidence is a difficult thing because evidence comes from many different research and obviously there will be some paper who prove that it's really really effective some paper that's proved that's like oh maybe it's okay some papers like actually there's no association it actually does harm so there's always that curve and you have to kind of evaluate each paper slightly cynically i think it's probably the word that i'm going to use um so from my point of view um i think the most amount of data that we're seeing graded exercise therapy has some benefit it's not a hundred percent it's not definitely will make you better and because also it's quite general term unless you haven't picked up on that as well what does graded exercise therapy mean does it mean swimming does it mean walking does it mean jogging does it mean like hopping around all the time like a thousand times or someone that i know do a 
10,000 steps on their stairs a day. Like what does great exercise mean? It actually means different thing to different people. So that's why yoga is definitely a great way. Obviously me and Colin share that, but it may not be applicable to everyone. It may be another form of exercise. Um, so it shows some, some benefit if you use it individually. I think will be my answer to your question. Um, however, can it not work? Absolutely. Because sometimes it just doesn't work. It's not, again, it's not a drug. It's definitely going to drop your blood pressure kind of thing. Colin, would you want to? Yeah, I, I probably need to um, say your question is very interesting, Jane. Yoga views the human in a very different way than we in the West view the human. So it looks at the physical structure very differently than we look at it. And what it's looking at is it's looking at processes. It's actually, it's looking at the, there's an underlying rhythm of processes that are going on. It doesn't look at it with regard to muscles. It doesn't look at it with regard to the way that we in the West look at it. And it marries up to this way of viewing these processes that are happening physically with different positions. So different positions taken either statically or dynamically will affect these different processes that are happening within the body. And the order that we come to put those into the body will help the body. So in one way, what will happen is that, um, if I give an example, I was with a, a lady today who was fatigued and I had her in a lying twisted position with both of her hands on the center of her body chanting. And she was chanting for a number of reasons. Firstly, the twist, because it affects the central area of the body and a lot of fatigue is to do with imbalance of, of, of metabolic process, acne, within the system. And with her hands on the body, this area, she was putting direct focus and attention into this area. She was staying there for quite a while. And I was getting her to chant and the chant that she was doing was a very powerful chant on this area. So there was a lot of focus breathing because she had to breathe in and then chant and breathe in and chant and breathe in and chant and the sound was specifically targeted to that area as well so I'm using a combination of tools sound which is to do with communication communication in a different way other than the way that we learn to communicate as people because we, we communicate in verbally like this and there's the word, there's the meaning of the word, there's a deep feeling behind the word itself. And actually here, you've got a coherence between those three things with regard to the way the mantra is put into her. You've also got the way that you're placing the hands onto the body. This is nyasa, it, it's specific touch. So it draws the mind's attention to a point in the body that we want to focus on. The position is also chosen as well, based on what's going on uniquely within her. So it affects the, not just the spine, the organs, there's a change in pressure, but it, it represents within the, 
yoga system the assimilation aspect of what needs to move through because there's a block there's something that's stopping her and so this helps this move through the system so for me what yoga does very beautifully and it's why i'm saying that as a yoga therapist we have to be detectives but we also have to view the person through yoga's eyes we have to view them through those eyes not western eyes western eyes is brilliant because it helps us in lots of different ways but if i'm going to use yoga's tools i need to view the person from yoga's perspective so if i view the person from yoga's perspective then the tools just match up completely to what's going on within the person does that make any sense jane i think i saw her nodding okay <laughs> and so it, it, this is the reasons so we start to what i'm doing is i'm i'm passionate i want to get to know people so well and again it's a complimentary way so i you know i want to understand what they're doing what's going on with them i want to understand how all these processes are working i'm a detective i'm investigating i'm looking at how they come to do everything and i'm looking and saying okay this is what's happening how do i start to get some success by putting into the system not a a random practice but a specifically targeted practice to what is expressing itself and how do i make that gentle so that there is success because we have to get success and it, it's this gentle practice with specific breathing often with specific mantra as well um, to look at the change in approach that the person has to themselves because there has to be a change in approach to the patterns that the person has okay because quite often underlying all of this there is some patterning that we need to look at and part of the reason that we use tools of yoga one of the definitions of physical positions is never sharira samskara it's the never meaning you sharira means body samskara is pattern we're putting a new pattern into the body by using a position and the same is true with breathing one of the promises of using conscious breathing in yoga is to begin to replace unconscious patterns with conscious patterns but at a much more subtle level so this is never prana samskara so it's a new pattern within the actual within the subtle aspect of the body so as a yoga therapist this is what we're doing is we're specifically looking and targeting and targeting and targeting so that because if you think about what's happened is that the energy has been stolen from the person there is inefficiency there's ineffectiveness in something that's going on within the system it's not effective it's like it's leaching it's like it's not getting right the way through the system for some reason and the recovery process is going to be slow because it's taken this long to get into the situation it's not going to happen overnight to get out of it we've got to then build back up to start to move back out of it so i hope that answers your question thank you yeah that was another nod and i think i think i very much echo what you said because i think the two main themes that i picked up from what you said was one it has to be tailored it has to be tailored to the individual and you target perfectly and which is kind of what we're trying to do now in medicine more and more you're trying to be 
we, we know that big data suggests what therapy means, what to which group of people. Now we actually have to apply it to the individual that's we see in front of us. And the other one is patients. Um, you know, a lot of, most of the time, any disease or illness that we see coming our way, it takes certain amounts of time to present, to accumulate. And I think often there's a wish that can it just go away now. And I, I use exactly what you said, which, which is really reassuring that, you know, it taken, your symptom taken that long to develop for it to trouble you and then for you to get to me, we will actually at least have to give it amounts, a similar amount of time and respect to resolve it. And I think that, that is definitely echoed in the Western medicine side. Just going to pick up the question as well, because I'm realizing that we're coming up to eight o'clock already. Um, Heidi asked about, um, since chronic fatigue syndrome is very few and rare, uh, what is the most common cause of prolonged fatigue? So I think from my point of view, which is why I diverged to sleep earlier on, because I think this one of those topics that if I don't mention, I think some people might not forgive me and some people might also mean me myself. Uh, so sleep will definitely be one of them. Diet, exercise, um, mood, I think I'll throw that into the mix. So any like imbalance of all these four areas can cause prolonged tiredness in my experience. I think uh, as, as me and uh, part of the team would discussing earlier on, I think I'm probably going to add COVID at this point as well, just because not because it's a pandemic out here, um, obviously the lockdown's tiring, but also actually any kind of prevalent pandemic illness, especially if it's a viral infection, it also can actually set off a, a cascade of um, chronic fatigue as well. And it is recognized. Um, we're saying there's not, obviously there's not a lot of data at the moment suggesting uh, coronavirus is going to cause chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia. However, we know for a fact that like you know, uh, virus like flu virus, hepatitis, these are the common cause for um, like a relapse or the first instance of chronic fatigue as well. So to a lot of extent, I wouldn't be surprised if later on proven to be one of the cause or it can cause um, chronic fatigue as well. Colin, do you want to elaborate on that? Um, what the co most common cause for prolonged fatigue? I don't know how to answer it, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> no worries. I, 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 I don't, because it, it's... There's so much going on. There really is. It, it really, it's, for me, it, it's not as clear as one cause. I, I feel that almost it, there's just you know, just, just multiple stories that are kind of being wrapped and wrapped and wrapped. And yeah, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I, th I think that, uh, I don't know how to answer that. I'm really okay. sorry. From, from my point of view, it's sleep, diet, exercise, mood, and maybe I just throw in coronavirus in the mix because it's a pandemic. So like environmental, uh, Colin, undecided <laughs> um but i think this might have to be the last question nicola uh, is one is curious why you use the term stolen energy being stolen from the system can you just ex expand on that a little bit balakriya um it, 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 i should have it. it it should be there by all reasons and all right it should be there it's where i left it but it's not there anymore. Where is it gone? Does that make sense? 
I think Nicola's contemplating by the looks of it. So maybe. We'll leave that as maybe. Um, I can always rely on Nicola. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Shall we do one last? There's one last comment from Jen. I think yoga is so important to hold on to the store of energy when it is limited as it teaches a great greater connection, sorry, my ability of reading is gone tonight, uh, and the ability to listen better or at all to the body. This allows the individual a greater freedom to manage their condition. I agree. I think that's one of the main things that yoga has taught me. So I definitely agree. You, uh, you did mention something um, that there is a, a cause. One of the causes is diet. And it just so happens that I don't know what happened, but I think you and I decided that we would do, we'd discuss diet next time. I just love talking about diet. I know. So we, we get to share our diets with everyone. And you get to, you, you get to, um, you get to choose some recipes. <laughs> I've Googled so many celebrity diets already. You cannot believe some of the things I found, but well, if you want to know, you definitely come next month and, I will share. Uh, okay, I think usually traditionally we kind of sum up what we said over the session uh, in a few sentences if we can, or like bite sides. I'm not sure if I can do that today because we share a lot. I, I think from my point of view is in order to get to tiredness or the cause of tiredness, you have to accept certain amounts of frustration and mental tiredness that will probably come with it and be patient because the process of finding out the reason why in Western uh, science and medicine will be long. Uh, Then in order to recover from it will also be long because you have to be patient with yourself and slowly increase the tolerance of your body, both body, mind and spirit probably, um, to the level that you wish to or to the level that you used to be able to, um, it's gonna be long. And also the first thing is the acceptance. You have to accept that sometimes your your body just has moved long. And your mind has to catch up in some way as well. So I think that will be my bite size tonight. Thank you so much, Stanford. That's amazing. Um, I just want to thank everyone for coming um, this evening. Um, thank you so, so much. It's, it's, it's actually really exciting to do this. Um, thank you. Uh, Um, so I think one last thing before you all head off for your dinner or evening routine. Um, I think the tech team, we have an update from the tech team. So hopefully within the next week or two, we'll be able to update everyone where we are. And hopefully we'll be able to get a pack of the free recording that you may, be, you may want to buy as a Christmas present or Christmas reading or Christmas listening. Have a good night.